remarkable person, one of those advanced German women, a militant iconoclast, and this drive will not be long enough to permit my telling you her history. Such a story! Her novels were the talk of all Germany when I was there last, and several of them have been suppressed, an honor in Germany, I understand. At whose door has been translated? I am so unfortunate as not to read German." "'I'm all excitement at the prospect of meeting Miss Broadwood,' said Imogen. "'I've seen her in nearly everything she does. "'Her stage personality is delightful. "'She always reminds me of a nice, clean, pink-and-white boy "'who has just had his cold bath "'and come down all aglow for a run before breakfast.' "'Yes, but isn't it unfortunate that she will limit herself "'to those minor comedy parts that are so little appreciated in this country?' One ought to be satisfied with nothing less than the best, ought one? The peculiar breathy tone in which Flavia always uttered that word best, the most worn in her vocabulary, always jarred on Imogen and always made her obdurate. I don't at all agree with you, she said reservedly. I thought everyone admitted that the most remarkable thing about Miss Broadwood is her admirable sense of fitness which is rare enough in her profession. Flavia could not endure being contradicted. She always seemed to regard it in the light of a defeat and usually colored unbecomingly. Now she changed the subject. Look, my dear, she cried, there is Frau Lichtenfeld now coming to meet us. Doesn't she look as if she had just escaped out of Valhalla? She is actually over six feet. Imogen saw a woman of immense stature, in a very short skirt and a broad, flapping sun-hat, striding down the hillside at a long, swinging gait. The refugee from Valhalla approached, panting. Her heavy Teutonic features were scarlet from the rigor of her exercise, and her hair under her flapping sun-hat was tightly befrizzled about her brow. She fixed her sharp little eyes upon Imogen and extended both her hands. "'So this is the little friend!' she cried in a rolling baritone. Imogen was quite as tall as her hostess, but everything she reflected is comparative. After the introduction, Flavia apologized. "'I wish I could ask you to drive up with us, Frau Lichtenfeld.' "'Ah, no!' cried the giantess, drooping her head in humorous caricature of a time-honored pose of the heroines of sentimental romances." It has never been my fate to be fitted into corners. I have never known the sweet privileges of the tiny. Laughing, Flavia started the ponies, and the colossal woman, standing in the middle of the dusty road, took off her wide hat and waved them a farewell which, in scope of gesture, recalled the salute of a plumed cavalier. When they arrived at the house, Imogen looked about her with keen curiosity for this was veritably the work of Flavia's hands, the materialization of hopes long deferred. They passed directly into a large, square hall with a gallery on three sides, studio fashion. This opened at one end into a Dutch breakfast room, beyond which was the large dining room. At the other end of the hall was the music room. There was a smoking room, which one entered through the library behind the staircase. On the second floor there was the same general arrangement, a square hall and opening from it the guest chambers, 
or, as Miss Broadwood termed them, the cages. When Imogen went to her room, the guests had begun to return from their various afternoon excursions. Boys were gliding through the halls with ice water, covered trays, and flowers, colliding with maids and valets who carried shoes and other articles of wearing apparel. Yet all this was done in response to inaudible bells, on felt souls, and in hushed voices, so that there was very little confusion about it. Flavia had at last builded her house and hewn out her seven pillars. There could be no doubt now that the Asylum for Talent, the sanatorium of the arts so long projected, was an accomplished fact. Her ambition had long ago outgrown the dimensions of her house on Prairie Avenue. Besides, she had bitterly complained that in Chicago traditions were against her. Her project had been delayed by Arthur's doggedly standing out for...